In case you were wondering why the first episode was called Alley Oop, I didn't know I was going to do that at first. Um, at first, the titles of the episodes were all just going to be the same as the the title of the story that I'm reviewing. Like, that first episode would have been called An Unearthly Child. And then I, I was thinking, you know, maybe you do a different naming convention to, to this series. Maybe something relating to the, the episode in some way, relating to, like, the story that I'm talking about, or some sort of a, a reference that it reminds me of, maybe a, a quote from the story. Or, and um, that one, there was a, a song from 1960 called Alley Oop that sounded a little like this. Sounded exactly like this. He don't eat nothing but a bear cat stew. Well, this cat's name is uh, Alley-Oo. He got a chauffeur that's a genuine dinosaur. That was by the Hollywood Argyles. Um, it was released in, I think, 1960. And, you know, and it's about a caveman. I guess there was a cartoon character of that name called Alley Oop. And I also recently read a novel by Clifford D. Simak called the Goblin Reservation and one of the care and, it, and it's it's kind of a crazy uh, it's kind of a crazy novel it's set at this college but it's like you know it, it, there are ghosts and uh, ooh they in trouble holy god they in trouble alley oh 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 and um but there, there, are, there are ghosts and time travelers and goblins and, you know, banshees and all kinds of this stuff. And there was a Neanderthal character named Alley Oop. Um, so, and I, you know, and after I read that, I thought about An Unearthly Child and the, you know, the story about the doctor and his companions traveling back in time to the Stone Age. And I thought that'd be a really good title. So I called that one Alley Oop. So now I am stuck. <laughs> it doesn't make sense now to call the next episode, you know, to like to name this the Daleks. You know, I'll have to think of something creative and I'll think of something. I don't know. But um, so there might be song titles. It might be other pop culture references. It might just, you know, I might still use some quotes from the from the uh, from the script or whatever. But. Anyway, so uh, you're listening to Somewhere in the Hooniverse. I'm Shambles Constant. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we'll be talking about the Daleks. Um, right now, I'm only going to talk about the first three episodes of the Daleks, because that's the portion of the, of the serial that I watched today. Um, the Daleks was the second um, Doctor Who story, and it was a seven-parter. So it aired over the course of seven weeks, and uh, you know, and it it bridged the gap of 1963 into 1964, and um, it very quickly brought Doctor Who into the uh, zeitgeist. 
um, and uh, you know it became a household name in England you know very quickly um, you know the original charge of the series was going to be educational primarily and uh, there were supposed to be no bug-eyed monsters you know the creator Sidney Newman said he didn't want any bug-eyed monsters and then they got this script and somehow they got locked into it and that very quickly uh, <laughs> led the series to be changed you know somewhat and they still kept the educational bent for for a few years um, where they would do historical stories and they would have some um, you know information about science in some way or you know this kind of thing and um, but uh, the Daleks really you know kind of made the name of Doctor Who as a sci-fi series and um, it, it, it was written by Terry Nation um, who went on to write many more uh, Doctor Who stories almost all of them were Dalek stories except for uh, two Two stories he wrote were not Dalek stories, and one of them will be coming up later this season. You know, the first season of the series, of the Doctor Who series. But, you know, he created these alien beings on this planet uh, called Scaro, and they are in these travel machines that look kind of like um, salt and pepper shakers, like pepper pots, you know. And, um, that, you know, they, they're in these travel machines because of uh, nuclear fallout. Um, you know, you gather certain things from this, this first story that featured them. And um, there's, there's a, another race of people called the Thals on the planet. And uh, they are humanoid. So, th this, this story, each of the three episodes that I watched today has kind of a different vibe to it from the others, which is interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about it until I watched these three episodes back to back. To back. And, um, you know, the first episode, we see... Uh, there's there's a brief scene in the TARDIS console room where they're looking at the, the you know, the readings, and they're like, oh, it's, you know, the radiation counter's reading normally. And as soon as they walk away from it, it the little needle goes to the right and you see that it's the, the radiation level is much higher than they, than, um, they thought it was at first. They, like, they didn't give enough time. They should have stood there another like 30 seconds. But they go out on the planet and they're roaming around, you know, the Doctor, Susan, Ian, and Barbara. And uh, Ian and Barbara, you know, they seem to be a little resigned to their situation. Um, they want to get back home. But, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck because they're finding out that, that the doctor may not be able to get them back because he has trouble piloting the TARDIS. And, um, you know, um, Jacqueline Hill's acting in this, in this uh, scene, you know, you can just see, on, you know, I mean, she's great at portraying the, the, the quiet sadness. And, uh, you know, Ian's a little bit more confrontational like he uh you know he challenges the doctor a little bit more openly um he makes it clear that he's keeping an eye on him he's keeping tabs on this old guy you know because this guy is 
you know, the only way that he's ever going to get back home, you know, is, is from the doctor, you know, getting him there somehow, however that's going to be. Um, and interestingly, Susan is really happy. <laughs> it's like, she seems to be the only one that, that's really happy with the situation. Like, she likes her teachers. She doesn't seem to really... She almost doesn't seem to see the problem, you know, of, well, you know, what the problem is of, of them not being able to get home, you know? She's just, she's just enjoying herself. She's enjoying the, the, you know, the traveling and, you know, she's, uh, listening to her grandfather talk about, you know, it's a, he, he's gone full scientist in this. And there's a, there's a nice, there's a nice little scene where they're, they're talking back and forth about, uh, you know the what's what's weird about this place that they've landed in you know like there's like you know these apparently animals made out of metal and uh, uh you know there's a there's a there's a weird breeze going and all this kind of stuff and so you know as it as it goes into the uh the episode they spend some time you know out in the you know in this this weird kind of jungle wilderness kind of a thing and then they they go back in the TARDIS and I also really like the the food machine scene it's like as far as I know I think it's the only time that that they talk about the food machine in the series they might reference it during the Troughton era the Patrick Troughton era but otherwise I think that's pretty much the only time that they that they really mention the the, the food machine you know, and they've, they've got like these uh, synthetic foods that it spits out that tastes like bacon and eggs, but it's like this, just this big like slab, you know? And um, I also like the bit where Ian kind of criticizes the food and the doctor um, gets all defensive about it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, it's not salty, it's English. You know, it shouldn't be salty, it's English. Which is weird that he would be defensive and call it English when... You know, Earth wasn't really... He didn't really seem to like being on Earth when he was there anyway. So... And uh, that's basically what the episode is. It's just... It's basically just a four-hander. This first episode. Um, the Dead Planet is what it's called. Um, the, these ones that I watched today were the... Uh, the Dead Planet, The Survivors, and I think The Escape is the third one. But... Uh, you know, but, but, then, you know, the, the whole scene, Susan is, you know, I mean, she goes from being happy, but then there are things that are definitely frustrating her. Like, uh, she finds this flower and, you know, the doctor won't even look at it. He's just like, oh yeah, yeah, pretty, whatever, <laughs> without actually looking at it. You know, um, Ian, Ian is kind of admiring the flower and then he, as soon as Barbara says something, he like crushes it without even realizing it. And... Susan feels a touch on her shoulder and nobody believes her because they're, they're they don't see it happen. Um, but then, you know, she finds out that she, she, you know, like they were calling her on her shit, but it was real shit. <laughs> she didn't like it. There was actually somebody there. And, um, you know, then it get, gets to a part where, uh, you know, there, the, the doctor, uh, this whole scene where he concocts this plan for getting to explore the city because Ian doesn't want to let him explore this, you know, the city. Um, 
that's you know just at the end of the the forest or the jungle or whatever and so he he takes the fluid link out of the console which you know has mercury in it and it and it you know without it you you can't pilot the TARDIS and he claims that there's no mercury in it and Hardnell was was really good at uh, you can tell like you know it was it was a children's show to start out with and you know like a kid would be able to he makes it so a kid would pick up on the fact that he's lying about things um, without the other characters necessarily realizing it like Ian is suspicious he's like hmm I don't know you know because he's like well we got to get some more mercury for the fluid link and uh, so we got to go to the city because obviously there's going to be mercury in the city somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how he thinks that. They're like, all right, we're gonna we're go straight there, find the Mercury, straight back, and that's it. <laughs> you know. So, but you know, when they first get into this, like, it's like this big enclosed, you know, um, series of, of 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 tunnels and uh, you know, constructed, you know, uh, with walls and stuff, and and the. The bit at the end of episode one um, is iconic for the series, where you just see this like, like this looks like almost like a plunger, you know, a sink plunger kind of a thing, extending out from behind the camera, and um, Barbara scared shitless, and you know, I guess apparently the BBC got a bunch of calls. You know, right after it, which you know, was like, "What is that?" <laughs> and it became, you know, and from there it became a big thing. So then, you know, the the second episode, um, the the survivors is when you you meet the Daleks, which you know that's what this this sink plunger thing is attached to uh, these beings, and um, you know they they you know they speak in a robotic kind of a, a staccato kind of a thing and you know and, and they're actually very chatty compared to later Daleks <laughs> they, you know they're the, the, the Daleks do a lot of talky talk in uh, in this first story um, you know so they and you know they capture the four travelers um, Ian becomes the first person like Barbara was the first person to see a Dalek in the series and Ian's the first one to get shot by one but they they don't kill him they just paralyze his legs so he can't walk and they're like you know it'll they basically say you know it'll wear off in a few hours <laughs> you know, whatever and um and and then you find out everybody's starting to get sick because they've got radiation sickness because the radiation level was high they found this geiger county counter Ge geiger geiger counter yeah anyway radiation gadget and um you know, so the and the the scenes where they're I, I love the scene where the doctor first meets the Daleks because there's this whole thing where they're talking about the Thals, you know, the 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 other race of people, um, and they're referring to them as mutations and monsters, and they they say the word Thals, and he's like Thals, what are they talking about? And he mentions the TARDIS, and then they're like. You know he must be delirious <laughs> like they're they're using words that each other does not understand at this point the doctor doesn't even seem to know what the daleks are you know which is interesting you know considering later you know 
um, Doctor Who lore, you know, the Daleks and the Time Lords are like are like mortal enemies and you know, have been since the dawn of time, but yet here it doesn't seem like the Doctor knows what the Daleks are. And he's he's getting introduced to them basically. And um you know, there's some really interesting scenes in there. There's also a, a we find out that Susan has kind of a nervous habit of laughing, you know, when when she's tense about something. Uh, there's a couple of points. There's, there's like one in particular. She's, you know, she's writing this uh, letter for the Daleks, you know, to take to the falls, <laughs> you know, supposedly to to make peace with them, and that you know they the the Dalek reads it and is like so son and she laughs and they're like stop that noise <laughs> um so that's kind of fun and uh you know susan here is like i say she's she's enjoying the adventure and you know she's apparently i think she you know she's been traveling for long enough that she's not as she's not as uh you know upset about it uh she does have a lot of moments where you know she's uh you know she screams or she's she's um upset or you know in hysterics about something that's that's something that they really should have um toned down um it would have made her more, a more compelling character if she wasn't doing that all the time but i guess they were trying to make her seem like a believable adolescent from this other time and world you know but um and uh so anyway, in the uh, you know, they're they're trying to escape from the you know from being imprisoned by the the Daleks, and you know there's there's these scenes where they're they're trying different things to to create a diversion to you know trick the Daleks into letting them out or whatever you know whatever it might be, and um, there's more there's more where you know characters are lying, but you know, you can tell that they're lying, but the Daleks don't know they're lying because the Daleks can't really read um, emotions, or, you know, in like emotional tones in 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 their voices and this kind of thing, and um, you know, and then and eventually they're just getting so sick. They're just so sick. Um, at least the Doctor and Barbara are very sick. Um, Ian's pretty well okay, except for, you know, his legs are paralyzed, so he can't walk. But, um, they, they, f uh, I forget exactly how, but they find out that there are these anti-radiation drugs out, you know, that somebody dropped by the TARDIS, which they think was an accident, and they find out that it was this Thal named Aladdin who left him there on purpose. Um, but, um, Susan gets sent out to go get these drugs, and you know, bring him right back. And in the meantime, she meets up with Aladdin. And, you know, and we see... I, I also like the scene where she... You know, she's talking to Aladdin, and she's like, you know, she's... He asks if uh, she trusts the Daleks, you know, and she's like, no. And she's like, he's like, do you trust me? And, and she kind of looks at him for a few seconds, and then she's like, yes, and she smiles. And I like to think that, you know the Doctor and Susan's species, who we don't know that they're Time Lords yet, but um, we find out that Susan has a, a measure of telepathy that kind of um, 
comes out later in the season. And I like to think that, that that's a small example of the telepathy. Like, she's sort of reading him. Like, she's sort of reading Aladdin um, to see that, that you know, he, he doesn't mean her any harm, that he's a good, you know, he's a good person and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and then the scene with... Uh, where we see the Thals, you know, it's like in the the first story in Unearthly Child, you know, we had a long scene where we see the different characters um, talking to each other, the, the characters, that, you know, the, the native characters talking to each other without the Doctor and companions in the scene. This is the same deal. Like, the Thals are like, um, well, they're, they're standing outside the TARDIS and they're kind of standing around talking. And there's, uh, there's Aladdin. And then there's Ganidus, uh, who's very snarky. He's my favorite character in this whole story. Um, and Temesis is kind of an older Thal who, uh, you know, he, he's. He, it seems like he's kind of in charge. And uh, there's a young girl named Dione. And, you know, they're, you know, there's, there's some uh, inherent sexism in the way that they treat her. <laughs> She's like, like, uh, she says something and... Ganadus is like, it's like, well, uh, you know, there's a double meaning for you. <laughs> it's, you know, there, there's some snarkiness from Ganadus, like I say, and uh, he's got some great lines in the story, you know, which we'll get to. But, uh, you know, they have a whole conversation about the, the Daleks and about the, you know, um, Susan and Aladdin's like, you know, if the, if the other travelers are, are like she is, then, the, you know, they must be very, you know, trustworthy people and uh, all this kind of thing and uh you know and there's also a, a sequence where you sort of see the inside of a dalek or you see what's in the inside of a dalek because the doctor and ian um remove this like big uh, weird looking claw claw type creature from it and uh, from the metal casing and then Ian gets in the metal casing and, and pretends to be a Dalek, which is, you know, that's always fun to see. That happens a few times in the series. So, um, yeah, so like, yeah, these first three episodes are really great. These, you know, they, they do a great job of establishing, you know, and you, you got to get into that, that mindset, you know, the, 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 uh, mode of the, you know, sixties television where, you know the plot moved more slowly you can it's more leisurely you can get into it that way um you know whereas like you know a newer newer television it you know it'd have to be mo moving a lot faster there wouldn't have been time for a lot of these scenes they, they probably would have not even had you know the scenes of like you know some somebody touching susan's shoulder and um the food machine and all that stuff it probably wouldn't even have been in it but you know, it's it's a really great way of, of getting into the the series, you know, and letting the story slowly. Now, later on in the story, we're gonna find that that it might get a little too slow paced, but we'll we'll get there. But uh, yeah, but so that's that's the first three episodes of the Daleks, and um, I'm gonna be out of town. This is it's a Friday night. August 18th as I'm recording this. I released the first episode earlier today. Um, I wasn't entirely sure I was going to release it. I was like, I, you know, 
should I hang on to it for a little bit? And then I thought, you know what? I, I, I feel pretty good about it. You know, I listened back to, to some of it and I was like, I feel pretty good about it. Let's go ahead and put it out there. So I went ahead and um, released it on the on onsug.com. And um, so, you know, that was the thing. It was recording the first episode was what the the tricky part was, was getting it started. Because now I'm like, now I'm like, yeah, I can do another one, you know? So, like, right after I got done working, I, I watched the these three episodes of the Daleks and, you know, um, I'll be out of town over the weekend. So, I don't know if I'll... I might get to watch an, another episode tonight. I don't know. It's almost dark now. Um, I kind of like this, too. Like, this, uh... My surroundings of what's going on, it becomes part of, um, talking about the, uh, this marathon that I've, that I've, uh, embarked upon. And, um, so... Oh, I also need to mention that, uh... There was a thing in the series that and it start it kind of starts in the story there there was maybe a line or two in the first story that um was a little bit um clunky um the way that it was said but this one has the first real notable what what is called a billy fluff or a, a hartnell fluff um the way that they shot these episodes they you know they were under they were in a really uh you know, um, kind of a fast-paced schedule, so I, they didn't have much time for retakes. So, uh, anyway, so they, uh, there were a lot of scenes where William Hartnell and, you know, his more technical dialogue or just, you know, just a right, just even just a regular bit of dialogue, um, where he'll screw up a line and in this one, it's uh, he he says anti-radiation gloves, and then he has to correct himself to say drugs, and there were a couple other things like that that were it was like a little awkward. But he's like, I hope, I hope the effects outside of the ship haven't affected you too much. And you're like, was that how the line was written? <laughs> you know, um, seems like he maybe he was struggling for the right the right word, and it didn't come out quite right. But that that's. A really fun aspect of uh, of watching the the Hartnell era is picking out those those um, you know the, those fluffed lines and where uh, they just didn't really have time for retakes or you know he Hartnell comes across as like this this older man you know he might genuinely have trouble thinking of the right you might you know you see him fumbling for the right word or whatever and um, so it, it seems. It seems very natural. So, you know, some, there are times where it goes kind of overboard. And there's a couple of times later in, in uh, his tenure where uh, I actually get a little embarrassed for him. <laughs> but, you know, William Hartnell, you know, as time went on, he was having more trouble with his lines. And he was, uh, you know, with, with uh, you know, um, shooting scenes and, you know, his health wasn't so good. And so... You know, it, it is also kind of a symptom of that. So, you know, there is a tinge of sadness to it, though, you know, um, toward the end of um, his time as the doctor. But, 
um, you know, hear, hearing him kind of flub a line and keep going though, like he was, he was a very professional actor and, uh, you know, I've read that, you know, sometimes he had to put his foot down with directors where they try to tell him how to, how to play a scene and it, it went against the way he wanted to play it and the way he felt was right. He's like, I know how, I, I know how to play Doctor Who. You know, I know, I know how to play the Doctor, and I'm not going to let you screw it up, basically. I, I'm doing this the way that um, I know is, is you know, is true to the character. You know, is respectful to the show. and So I really, I really admire that. And he, Hartnell did a wonderful job. I mean, he really got it, got the whole thing started. So, okay. Yeah, I think that's all I've got to say right now. Um, I, I'm not necessarily always going to do a, a plot summary. I mean, it depends. You know, I'm going to go with kind of what feels right. Um, you know, for for the given episodes that I'm talking about. Uh, you know, like it might be something where I just touch on different aspects of of the uh, of the episodes. You know, or I, you know, might like this. I might I might you know, talk the way through. I'm, I'm just going to leave it kind of loose, you know, kind of open, um, whatever, whatever, um, seems to be right. So it's almost dark and I was on a walk <laughs> and I need, I'm sitting at the park and I need to walk home. So I will uh, record the rest of this episode, um, within the next few days, whenever I'm able to finish watching the last four episodes of the Daleks. Okay, it's uh, a couple days later now by my timeline. Um, it's a very, very warm late Saturday, late Sunday afternoon around 6 p.m. I think it's about 90 degrees Fahrenheit. It's uh, very hot, but um, I'm getting out and taking a quick walk around the block. I just watched, oh, we got back into town, um, a couple hours ago. Um, I just watched another episode of the Daleks, and it's a good, end of episode four is a good stopping point, you know. Um, it's almost two separate serials, in a way, <laughs> you know. Um... And I think when I had the VHS version, it cut off there. Like, it was like the first four episodes were on one tape, and then the last three were on another. So I sort of think of them as two separate units, in a way. But, uh, yeah, so I just watched The Ambush, and I did forget to mention um, a funny bit. <laughs> episode two, the whole fluid link thing, I meant to mention because it's something I always think of when I think of the Daleks, is uh, the bit where they're like, oh, you know, the Doctor and uh, Ian and Susan are like, oh, we still, we gotta, the problem is that we don't have mercury for the fluid link, we still need it, and the Doctor's like, oh, oh, yeah, the fluid link, um... <laughs> So, funny story, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I wanted to explore the city, but everybody else wanted to, wanted to leave, so, uh, 
problem is that uh, the truth is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with the fluid link. <laughs> he just kind of hands it to Ian. Anyway, so that becomes important because at some point the fluid link was taken away from Ian, which is what he mentions. They realize this at the end of part four um, after some other shit has gone down. Um, that shit in question. <laughs> so Ian is in the Dalek. Um, into the Dalek. Although that was something that Peter Capaldi did later. <laughs> but um, Ian's in the Dalek and they're trying to pretend like Susan is, you know, like they're they're been captured by the Ian Dalek to fool the other Daleks. And she does this whole, you know, she, she makes this uh, whole you know, production of, oh, no, please, don't, Kata, don't get me. No, you cannot take me anywhere. And then she turns around and gives the rest of them this really big wink, <laughs> you know, with a smile. That I don't even think that would fool a Dalek from this episode, you know. But it sort of seems to. <laughs> but um, anyway, they, you know, they, they end up managing to... Uh, fool the other Daleks and somehow <laughs> and, you know they end up uh, getting all back together Hang on a second. and then there's a, another part that in retrospect seems inevitable but I'm wondering if it came as a surprise you know like we <laughs> you know Ian had just been paralyzed by the Daleks so we hadn't seen anyone killed yet by them, but this is the episode where we first see uh, somebody being killed by a Dalek. And that's uh, good old Temesis, the Thal leader, who uh, bravely or foolishly or stupidly or whateverly you want to call it, you know, is trying to befriend the Daleks. You know, he's like... Hey guys, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've all been through some hell here, but maybe we can, uh, you know, kind of, kind of get along a little bit. Uh, you know, I know our ancestors fought each other, but we want to make peace. And if you do too, that'd be great. You know, check, check yes or no on this, on this note that <laughs> I'm you. And he gets gunned down by a Dalek and... Temesis is dead, and now Aladdin is the de facto leader of the Thals, and he doesn't seem too happy about it. You know, Temis was older, he, you know, he'd been through a lot, and uh, he was put to pasture, so. And uh, then we've got a, right after that, we've got a kind of a nice little scene where everybody's hang, just hanging out and having fun. <laughs> Um, the doctor's sitting there by the TARDIS with Dione, and she's giving him a history lesson about her people. Like, apparently, all of a sudden, she knows everything that's happened in the last 500,000 years. <laughs> you know, she's like, we've got the whole history of the, of, of Scaro right here, you know? And so, uh, the doctor finds out that, you know, the Thals used to be the warriors, and the Daleks were, they were called the Dals back then. But of course that history is gonna be uh, rebooted and um, 
what do you call it, um, retconned. It's going to be retconned later on with Genesis of the Daleks. It's going to be completely thrown on its head almost. Um, but, uh, you know, so the doctor finds that out. Susan's like, well, his grandfather seems to be having fun hanging out with that hot chick, <laughs> you know? Because, like, all the Thals look like freaking Aryan super gods. But, um, <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the rest of them come back, and everybody finds out that Temesis was killed, and someone else was killed who we didn't even know. And, uh, they grieve. And then they're like, the, the doctor and his companions are like, well, uh, I'm going to head out. <laughs> been, it's been nice uh, seeing you guys, but we, we, we got to go find somewhere else to run away from, you know, because, <laughs> um, you know, and they're like, well, we can't, we can't leave now. It's like the, you know, the doctor's like, well, he's, he's got a whole like, uh, Star Trek Prime Directive thing of like, you know, we can't we can't affect these people, you know The Thals have nothing to do with us, so we, we should just leave them to their fate basically. See ya! <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then they realize that uh, they, re they realize that they do not have the fluid link and that the Daleks stole it so <laughs> And that's the cliffhanger at the end of part four, the ambush. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm mocking it. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of just an attempt to make light of it a little bit. It is a really good episode. Um, like I say, a very pivotal one right in the middle of this uh, seven-part story. And um, it's, it's one that... You know, I enjoy the Daleks, and we're getting to a point now, the last three episodes, in my memory, and in the various times I've seen it before, are not quite as good as the first four. Like, uh, they probably should have just been two episodes instead of three, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, and so we will take them as they are, and, uh... I'm enjoying this, and I was, I was thinking about what I want to do if I just want to stick with doing this chronologically. Like, I am going to do this chronologically, like, you know, talk about it, each TV story in order. Um, but am I also going to go on, like, sidesteps a little bit? Am I going to talk about Big Finish? Because uh, Big Finish is the uh, series of audio adventures that... Um, have been recorded and released much later in some cases than, than these um, than the original Doctor Who stories and they you know they have a lot of the same actors coming back and some you know later you know or more recently certain characters have been recast <laughs> you know to make more stories so if you were I love Big Finish don't get me wrong but it also has a tendency to squeeze too much into gaps that probably, you know, like to take an example from the 80s um, the end of the Fifth Doctor's era, Peter Davison um, 
they have the, the story Planet of Fire, which introduces Perry. And then the next televised story was Caves of Androzani. And the Fifth Doctor ends up, long story short, spoilers, sacrificing himself for Perry. And the way it plays, part of the, you know, part of the, the I guess, the impact of it is that this is someone he barely knows. Like, he's, he's really just met her. So, Big Finish um, started up in 1999, and they've uh, been running, you know, through to the present day and, and then on, you know, and they've made hundreds of adventures, <laughs> you know, squeezed into different um, gaps in Doctor Who's history. And they've put a bunch of adventures in between Planet of Fire and Caves of Androzani. They added a companion named Aramem, who was like this female Egyptian pharaoh that nobody remembers. <laughs> and like, so if you take those as canon, which you don't have to do, there's no reason to, I mean, you don't have to. Um, if I'm listening to them, I think of them as canon, but otherwise, I don't. Well, if I'm watching the TV series, I don't try too hard to squeeze them in. But. You know, if if you accept that the Doctor and Perry and Aramem had a bunch of other adventures in between, all of a sudden, the sacrifice is not as... doesn't have as much impact because... I mean, it does, but it's also like... Well, they've known each other for a long time at this point. So, it depends on which version of events that you want to accept. And, it, and it's... It's all for fun. It's not, you know, you don't have to. But there are some adventures in Big Finish that have been recorded um, that squeeze into the first Doctor's era as well. And they've got recasts. Um, they've got other actors playing the first Doctor because William Hartnell passed away in 1975. And... Uh, So, you know, suddenly the travelers experience a lot more in the big finish verse, <laughs> the expanded universe of Doctor Who, than they do taking just the televised adventures. So you can take it either way. And I think I will talk some about the big finish, some of the big finish stories. I, I, there's no way I'm ever going to hear all of them because they're... There are uh, so many of them, but uh, I might squeeze a couple in here and there and, and kind of talk about them, you know, maybe maybe doing the first Doctor retrospective at the end of the, the era, you know, I'll do a special episode and I'll talk about that kind of stuff. And, and there are also actors that played the first Doctor in the later series in The Five Doctors. And then in uh, Twice Upon a Time. And uh, they'll have to be mentioned as well, although they do have a, a place later in the series, naturally, you know. They would naturally get to them, assuming I get that far, which I'm hoping to. As of now, I plan to. So, and then there are also, there are also comic strips 
that were comic adventures, you know, throughout, like they were even during the actual first Doctor's era, second Doctor, you know, they had, they came out with various comics and they put the Daleks in them and other characters. Um, there were also novels, various different things. Um, you know, so the expanded universes. If you were to take all of it as being the ongoing story of the Doctor, it's ginormous. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to or not. Anyway, I'm back home. I'll watch the last three episodes and get back to you once I have done so. Oh, and there was also something I forgot to mention about um, part four, the ambush. Um, there's a moment that it's both well thought out and also not so well thought out when the Thals are trying to figure out, why, you know, why would the Daleks want to kill Temesis? <laughs> like, they even know him. What those... And Ian tries to explain racism, <laughs> basically. Tries to explain, like, you know, dislike of the unlike is a really great line. They're just not human is not so much a great line. <laughs> First off, are the Thals human? I mean, well, they know the word human. Or, you know, they're humanoid, but they, they didn't come from Earth. And um, also just... <laughs> The idea of that is that human is the ideal um, form to have, you know? And if something's not, if an alien is not human, then maybe it doesn't have the same kind of compassion or value or worth. So I, I forgot about that. I just wanted to throw that in. Okay, so I finished watching The Daleks, um, the last three parts of this seven-part story. And, uh, yeah, my, my assessment um, that there probably should have just been, this probably should have just been a six-parter, um, remains. Um, I still, watching the last two episodes in particular, I think they easily could have uh, compressed some of that. And, uh, you know, taken out some of the, the rope coming over, rope coming over, and over, and over. Um, which will come clear in a minute um, from what I'm, I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, some, some, some of that could have been cut and um, condensed uh, you know, into just a, a, a six-parter. But, you know, I, I have to say I, I, I can understand why a lot of the, the early Doctor Who stories were, you know, six-parters, seven-parters, and on like that, um, you know, they had a pretty low budget and, uh, you know, it must have made more sense economically for them to use the same sets and, um, actors and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, over, you know, over a longer period of time, especially when, when you've got, you know, 40, you know, 40 some episodes in, a single season um and you know the 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 shooting process of the show was you know very uh intense and all that kind of thing so it must have been easier on that front and sometimes it it works and sometimes not as much so you know that's fair but the the daleks is is a really 
good story. It's it's a very good story. Um, you know, I can't say that it's on the top tier as such, but uh, it it is very good, and it's interesting to see in in the that portion where Ian is trying to persuade the Thals that they need to fight the Daleks. And, you know, they're, you know, they're, the Thals are adamant. They're like, they're like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to have another war. And it makes a certain kind of sense coming from their perspective because they, their lives are the result of the, the nuclear war between the Daleks and um, the Thals. The, the, the dolls or the as later we'll find out you know they'll, they'll be called the Khaleds <laughs> um, uh, you know the result of that that nuclear war and how difficult it is for them now to to you know they're I mean they're the Thals are farmers now and uh, they're they're waiting for this drought to end and it hasn't ended and all this kind of thing and um, the Daleks apparently have um, a, a system for growing food with artificial sunlight, which is weird because it's like the do the Daleks have to even eat. I uh, you know how does that work? But there's a a very memorable scene when Ian is trying to to convince Aladdin and and the other Thals that they you know they need to fight the Daleks. Um, first off, the Doctor. And Barbara, interestingly, are arguing that they need to do it mostly because, you know, they need to get their fluid link back and leave, <laughs> which just seems just, you know, kind of outrageous to, to see, you know, and, and Ian's like, well, that's, you know, like, what, what are you going to make that you're going to make them fight and die and say you, you fought and died over a fluid link, you know, so that we can continue our travels. I mean, that that's just asinine. And, uh, so, you know, and then he, he goes through the whole thing and he's, he's, you know, he, he tricks Aladdin into admitting basically. And, and Aladdin knows, like he says that he knows what Ian was trying to do. Like Ian, um, you know, threatens to to sell, or not sell, to to uh, give the the Daleks, you know, the Thals history, um, you know, the their that big huge container containing their history, um, you know, and then he, he grabs Dione's hand and is like, well, I bet they'd want this person, you know, <laughs> and then Aladdin punches him, and then Ian's like, well, you see, so there are some things you'll fight for, you know. And, uh, which is, which is, you know, I, I liked how, how they, they put it like that. I, I like, I think that scene works pretty well, although, like I said, it's kind of jarring to see the doctor and Barbara both saying, you know, we need the fluid link. <laughs> so, you know, and Sue and, and Susan, and then, you know, eventually Barbara's like, no, Ian's right. You know, um, that leads on to. You know, there's there's maybe too quick a transformation of character for the Doctor because by the beginning of the the last episode of the the serial, 
you know, the doctor is like snapping at the Daleks and is just like outraged, just like this senseless evil killing, you know, and he's, you know, he's out like, you know, like he's seen the light. It seems like it, that may have happened a little too fast. I don't know. But, uh, that said, I, I do love how William Hartnell plays that, you know, that scene where he's, you know, he's just completely outraged by the Daleks and how they're, they're, trying to just kill off the Thals because they think that only one race can survive, you know, that, like, that's their, their only ideal, like, that's their ideology is, like, you know, only, only one race can, we can't live together, sorry, you know. Um, you know, so, so then there's the, this whole thing of where, um, you know, some of the Thals, you know, basically the ones with names, um, are, are kind of, go try to, uh, you know, infiltrate the, the Dalek city and, uh, you know, uh, somehow stop them from, because the Daleks are going to set off a nuclear, you know, another nuclear uh, strike so that they can keep, because they, they've gotten to the point where they're, they depend on the radiation that is decreasing, you know, so they need more, the Daleks need more radi radiation to, survive and i mean i guess you know i guess that's the whole the whole idea of of why only one race can survive although it does come off kind of a megalomaniacal or whatever like that so um but uh you know it's it's kind of it's it's a it's a complex kind of a, an idea actually um but uh you know they they split off and then um, Ian and Barbara and Ganatus and Ganatus's brother, who suddenly exists, um, Antidus, and then there's like another Thal and the, you know um, they they reach this point where they have to get over this uh, very wide dark chasm. So they can continue, and that's where it gets into the rope coming over sequence I was talking about, where the, you know, one at a time they're going, to, you know, they're swinging across on this this rope, and then catching on the other side, and you know that the way that it's drawn out, you know, it's just like one at a time, and it's like, okay, we get it, come on, come on, you know, something bad's gonna happen, so um, ultimately, uh, you know, Gannett is his brother who was just trying to convince Ganadus that they should just, like, take off and go back to the Thal settlement <laughs> and uh, just kind of leave everybody else to their... Just like, they're going to die anyway! You know? Um, ends up to where, you know, the Antidus, the brother, um, misses, basically. Like, he's trying to he's trying to get... He's trying to catch the other side, and he misses, and he's swinging onto this, this rope... Um, you know, attached to Ganatus on the other side and ends up, you know, uh, cutting the rope, in, you know, with, with his knife, um, to save his brother's life. So it's like a final, like a act of, of bravery, you know, what is kind of counteracts that. And, uh, so, um, there's also a really interesting visual of one of the other Thals, um, falling into this whirlpool whirlpool at the end of uh part five um uh, you know it, you know it's kind of a, a a strong image but um 
you know, but then uh, there's then I I do love when Barbara and Ganetus the scene where they're on their own and you, you know you could kind of ship those two actually um, you know because they definitely have a spark between them and there's definitely something going on there and uh, you know for, first Ganetus mentions something like you know an earth expression you have where you say ladies first <laughs> you know when it's like wait so they know about earth wait how did that happen how did they how they know like either either they had prior knowledge which doesn't seem likely you know of of earth and human beings and stuff or barbara mentioned that catchphrase or not catchphrase but that expression um ladies first um at an earlier point which also doesn't seem like why would she why would she say that phrase you know so but then you know, Barbara's like, Ian says, blah, blah, blah. And Ganadus has this great line where it's like, you know, in a snarky tone, he's like, do you always do what Ian says? <laughs> it's just this nice little, like, stopper to the scene. And she's like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, you could you could see where they, those two, it, you know, given a different, uh, you know, a different circumstance, a different situation, could have made a go of it. But, uh you know they're they're from different worlds and they they both know that they're from different worlds and that you know Barbara wants to get home and Canada is home and you know um but at the very end they share a quick kiss as she's leaving um and uh you know the 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 ultimate end of the uh serial and the the resolution where they you know the doctor's able to cut off the the power supply to the city you know they run on you know static electricity and you know where he's able to do that to kill off the daleks um it's interesting because you watch this and you would think that was the final end of the daleks from that story because that was actually terry nation's um goal you know like he, he wanted it to be a i guess a one and done like that's part of the story you know and so oh the daleks are are destroyed that's the end of their race and then you think about the uh you know the series and how many times the daleks have come back on tv and audio adventures and and the novels and various things and you know it's like um it it looks short-sighted but of course you know you're just starting off the show you don't you have no idea it's going to be they they probably didn't know the daleks were going to be the the hit that they ended up being um, when they, you know, when they start, like when they made the story, um, that huge reaction that the BBC got, you know, to the, the end of, uh, episode one, you know, where people were like, what the hell is that? Um, so, and then the very end when, when, uh, the TARDIS crew are, are leaving, um, there's a, a telling scene where the doctor is talking to the Thals and uh you know they're asking if if he wants to stay you know if he would stay and he's like you know it's like no that's not you know my destiny is in the stars um that's a nice line but then he he also says um that uh, you know he used to be a pioneer among his own people which is an interesting line that uh you know l later on down the road in the in the series they've they've made various attempts to kind of uh you know, um, 
expand that idea and uh you could definitely say that the whole timeless child thing um you know of of recent doctor who might kind of touch on that even though the doctor's not supposed to remember all that stuff blah 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 you know all of their past and stuff like that but uh so and you know and, and then the very end um the TARDIS crew leave in the TARDIS and then they're in the console room and something gets fucked up. <laughs> it's like kaboom. And you don't know if they've hit something, you know, if they've had some kind of a collision, if, um, you know, the ship has, has, you know, hit some kind of major fault or what's going on. And then that leads into the next story, which is called the E the, the, the Ege. What the hell? The Edge of Destruction. I think I was thinking of the song Eve of Destruction. <laughs> well, we don't believe we're on the Eve of Destruction. So, so you know, a really good story. Um, one that uh, changes the face of the, the, the series, you know, pretty quickly, you know, to where the, the Doctor is on his way to becoming the... Uh, you know, the heroic character that he'll turn out to be. He's not, you know, in An Unearthly Child, he was the kind of the anti-hero. He was like, uh, he was trying to, um, just whatever he wanted to do was fine. And, and even in this, into this story with the whole fluid link, um, debacle, you know, uh, that gambit where he was trying to, uh, you know, he wanted to see the city and that, that kind of led into the whole situation. Um, and put them into that situation and the, you know where they end up having to um fight to get the fluid link back and then it becomes uh, you know for the thals as well so you know there there's a there's a great uh progression you know you know um within within just a story so um it's got you know the story has its flaws um you know, it's it's a bit uneven at times, and uh, like I say, it should have been shorter. Uh, but all in all, I, I really enjoy it um, every time I, I watch it, and I'm going to give it an eight out of ten, and I'm going to rank it slightly above an Unearthly Child, actually, um, which also got an eight out of ten. But I, I think the Daleks is, uh, you know, just a little bit, just that little bit better. Um, by showing more of a, a um, you know character development and that kind of thing, but um, both both are great stories and it, it, they're you know that's a great stretch of eleven episodes to uh, start off the uh, the series and the franchise and everything. Now the next one's the Edge of Destruction, and oh, you'll find out what I think about that one um, soon. I'm hoping to get that uh, watched and. Uh, recorded um in a, in a short in a fairly short period of time here so and then there's another seven parter coming up so that will take me a little while longer um marco polo um and we'll move on from there so uh yeah that's that's uh yeah that's a pretty good uh pretty good episode here i think um i, I think i got my thoughts out there pretty pretty clearly hopefully and uh so um thank you so much for for listening and uh i'll be back to you soon